It's a pleasure to join you this morning in this in this uh, strange way. <laughs> uh, some of us uh, have already been used to this because you guys, I think you guys mostly here in California have experienced this way more than I have. Um, in, in Salt Lake City and in Las Vegas, which is kind of the territory where I used to be before, um, there is social distancing, but we're still able to to get together inside the buildings. So it's been a blessing because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but even if I can't hug someone, it's nice to see their face and to talk even at a six feet distance. <laughs> so I am uh, the, the third of four children in my family. Uh, like Pastor said, I am originally from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, And my family all lives there. And I have been working with the, with the literature ministries department for the past four years. Uh, the one ministry, I've, I grew up in the church and I've, I love the church. And I've always uh, participated in anything to do with the church. Um, but it wasn't until I was involved in the literature ministries that I really fell in love with ministry. And how it can be something that we, we don't have to do full-time, even though I have the privilege of doing that full-time now. It doesn't have to be that way, but it can be a lifestyle for each one of us. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, I just, I just want to start with uh, this quote uh, from Vance Havner. And it says, I know there are some always studying the meaning of the fourth toe of the right foot of some beast and prophecy and have never used either foot to go and bring men to Christ. I do not know who the 666 is in Revelation, but I know that the world is 666 and the best way to see the Lord's return is to win more souls for him. Now, in thinking and in hearing this, I don't mean to say that prophecy isn't important. Prophecy is most definitely important. Uh, prophecy tells us, shows us what we, are, what we are supposed to do next. Prophecy tells us where we are in history. Prophecy gives us a clue of how soon our Savior is to return. But how many times are we just comfortable knowing and knowing the truths of the Bible, but not sharing it with other people? We're going to see a passage today um, from Mark chapter 5. is a familiar passage that a lot of us have studied and read and have even been impacted by. And just a story, a simple story of how God can use you and me in our own personal uh, story with Christ. And just before we start reading the word, let's ask God one more time to uh, be here with us. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the privilege of serving you uh, in every capacity that we can. And I pray, Lord, that you be with us this morning, uh, this afternoon, this evening, whenever uh, we are listening to this message. I pray, Father, that your spirit will be there uh, teaching us and that I may not be the one speaking, but you, Lord, teach me, teach us, and draw us closer to you through this message. In your name I pray, amen. So Mark chapter 5, we start in Mark chapter 5 um, from the beginning of the chapter. And we see here that this was the story of a demon-possessed man. Uh, this man, 
uh, meets Jesus. We know the story takes place right after Jesus calms the storm. And so we go to verse one. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always day and night. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So we see here that Jesus is coming uh, from the sea and lands in the, in the country of the gatherings. And the first greeting that we see is this man. And this man, it gives characteristics of who he was. First, he had his dwelling among the tombs. That If we think about living in the cemetery, which is essentially where he was living, uh, do you think there was a bathroom there uh, or a hairdresser or even like a house? No, he was, he was living um, as a homeless person in this place. Uh, and if you've had an interaction, uh, actually in, in Salt Lake City, there, there used to be this really popular uh, program for homeless people in one of the churches and they called it um feeding love i think it's how you could translate it in from english to spanish from spanish to english uh because it was a spanish church but they would go and they would feed the homeless every sabbath afternoon and they would give them uh veggie hamburgers with french fries and depending on the weather it was like juice or soda and water and i remember uh being with these people And them spending days and days without even being able to change their clothes. Uh, so how is it that a person, um, if you think about it in a way that, you know, us who, people who have that privilege, would we want to like go be with that person and spend time with that person? Not naturally, not naturally. That's something that's a gift from God uh, to be able to go and, and serve the least of these And so we see that this is the condition of this man. And another one of the, of the description that he says in verse four is he was bound with shackles and chains, but they had been broken in pieces. He was supernaturally strong, right? And we know this because he was demon possessed. Uh, but I don't know if you guys have ever had the opportunity, but when I was younger, my dad had this church and there was this, this short man about my height, <laughs> Um, and there's this really tall elder, and I remember that my brothers and I, we like to sneak around and find out, you know, have adventures all the time, and so one of those times, we were sneaking around because my dad had told us that he was going to be busy, and so we were like coming around, and we saw um, this man, this little man, surrounded by a group of the elders of the church, and they were all just praying, and I remember this little tiny man, uh, they were trying to hold him down and they couldn't hold him down. And there was this really tall elder and he came and he was right in front of him. I remember it clearly, like if it was yesterday, he was right in front of him and he tried to put his hand on his shoulder 
And this little tiny man pushed him over and the, the elder hit the wall and fell. So who wants to be around those kind of people? Nobody. I know for sure that if, if I'm going to be with someone that, is, that could possibly hurt me, I'm going to stay as far away as I possibly can. And so this is another of his characteristics. He had super strength. And verse 5, we see he always night and day was in the mountains and the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. So he was always yelling at all, all times of the day, all times of the night, yelling and cutting himself. And if, you're, if you don't tend to your wounds, what happens? They, they bleed, they get infected. And so it wasn't an, an appearance um, that was appealing to anyone who would want to be around him. Um, if you read the Desire of Ages, it actually says that this man didn't even have his, he didn't even think like a human anymore. And it makes me think through this, through this pandemic and the quarantine and not being able to fellowship and come together, um, there has been a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, especially among uh, our young friends, you know, the youth. Uh, they, they crave company. They crave being together. Um, and we haven't been able to do that. Imagine this man. Who knows how long he was there, not able to have any human interaction. And this was his condition. I know uh, many times we, we read the stories and we think, oh, you know, this man, yeah, he was freed. He was, a miracle happened. Jesus liberated him from the demons. But how many times is that our experience? How many times, maybe we're not demon-possessed, but maybe we are in shackles, we are in chains, and we are prisoners of sin, you know, far away from those we love, from those we care for. And that is the experience of this man. And one of the things that I, I love about this ministry um, is that we have the opportunity to share with them about what it is to have an experience with Christ, even when they are in those shackles and those chains. Um, so I want to take a moment for you to listen to this testimony of a person who was in shackles and chains, but was freed uh, by the power of Christ. Hello, this is uh, this is Moni. I'm calling for a Bible study. If you could email Bible study to my son who's incarcerated. I just found this. I don't know. It says um, talking with God, and I just found this. It came out of a book, and I said, "Wow, we need that hope. We need someone to pray with us." Okay, thank you. Just a little glimpse of what God can do through us. A little glimpse of just an experience that someone had just because someone shared a little piece of paper with them. And the lady says, I don't know where it came from. 
Um, but a person who is in shackles and chains being freed uh, just by knowing the word of God. And as we continue in the story, we see that this man then runs into Jesus and verse seven says, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And that is such a beautiful, a beautiful thing in this story. And, and it's powerful to know that even when we are in our darkest moments, that even when we are experiencing pain, even when we push God far away, it says right here, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Jesus was the one taking initiative to speak to him. And that is the personal God that we serve, a God that cares for us, that pursues us, that woos us to him, even when we are not in our best. And we go, and we're not going to read the whole passage, but we see here that, that this man uh, was possessed and, and the demons asked Jesus to cast him out into the pigs and the pigs uh, run off the cliff and fall and, and they all die. And so after seeing this, the people, uh, they're alarmed because that was their livelihood. You know, like imagine if every pig was a dollar, they just lost $2,000 in one little moment. And so they're asking Jesus to leave. And we see in verse verse 14 and those who f who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened so they went to tell everybody wow you guys look what happened uh i want you guys to come see so they all come and they're all they're all seeing this man who was a torment to their town who was always screaming i don't i don't think it was like a comfortable Uh, thing I I sleep sometimes and if I hear any noise uh, it really wakes me up so the other night I uh, heard I, f I feel like it was steps but it wasn't steps it was just like the noise of the wind uh, against like some tarp or something and so I woke up and I was so scared because I thought there was somebody uh, in there and I was like And I look and there was nobody there. Imagine that feeling every night because somebody is screaming or somebody is yelling. And that was the experience that these people had. And verse 15, then they came to Jesus and saw the, uh, the one who had been demon possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. So this man, this man who had once been running everywhere, now was sitting. This man who had been naked was now clothed and this man who had been crying out day and night was in his right mind but their reaction was to be afraid because changes and transformation means we have to let go of things in our lives and that is what Jesus does for us but it is so scary to leave what we know for the unknown even to leave what we love for the unknown of what Jesus can do in our lives, the transformation that he can have in our lives. And they were afraid. And also they were afraid because they had just lost 2,000 pigs. Um, and they began in verse 17, then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. They wanted him to leave. They said, you know what? 
if this is what you're going to cost us it wasn't it wasn't amazing to them that this man had now been transformed they were seeing all the 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 material things that they could lose and they were like no we don't want you to be here we need you to leave but this man who had experienced this powerful transformation i imagine that in his mind it was wasn't just physical but in his mind i imagine that he it was like something clicked and then his mind was clear now and he could think and he could remember his friends and he could remember his family and he could remember his neighbors something that he hadn't been able to do in a long time and verse 18 and when he got into the boat jesus he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him and verse 19 however jesus did not permit him but said to him go home to your friends and tell them what great things the lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you and he departed and began to proclaim in decapolis and all that jesus had done for him and all marveled so this man he's like yeah i i have my life has been completely transformed and i really want to keep if this is a little bit if in if in this little short moment i've experienced this i definitely want to keep experiencing i want to go with you i want to spend as much time as i can with you and jesus says no you can't come with me but he gives him an he gives him an important task he tells him go home to your friends and tell them he had only jesus only told him to go home to his friends but he had experienced such a powerful transformation in his life it was like a 360 that he didn't only tell his friends and his neighbors but he went to the capitalis which was the 10 cities around So imagine it wasn't just his street, it wasn't just his home, it wasn't just his neighborhood, it wasn't just his town, it was like the whole the 10 towns around. He went around telling everybody, everybody what had happened to him. And I don't know about you guys, but if if I see someone that has experienced a great transformation in their lives, you definitely want to know what's going on there. I remember when the reason why I got into literature ministries um is because I remember seeing one of my friends um her name is I will remain disclosed undisclosed I think <laughs> but I remember seeing one of my friends and I remember her when we were younger and she kind of used to go to church because her, her mom went you know and sometimes she wouldn't go because she didn't feel like it And a few years a few years later I remember seeing her and she was talking about all these experiences that she's that she has had and all these people that she's been studying the Bible with and and I was like wow and even her her resemblance was different her her dress was different everything about her was different and and I was like wow what what happened to you and she's like yeah I've been I've been uh involved in in canvassing uh and and I I've been Bible working and I've been you're just working for God and it's just been so beautiful and I could see that change and that is actually what inspired me to do canvassing in the first place because this person who I had met who I had known before had had this change 
a good change. And she was so in love with Jesus, you could tell by the way she spoke. And I imagine this was the experience of the people that were listening to this man's story. They could hear him, the anguish. Maybe some people knew about this man who had been possessed. And to see him walking around and being changed and being a human again, they were so, they were so surprised. They marveled, it says. But this isn't the end of the story. If we turn to Luke chapter 8, we see really how vitally important it is for us to share about Jesus. And this man, he didn't share about the Ten Commandments. He wasn't sharing about the doctrines and the prophecies. I'm not saying it's not important to share that. I'm just saying that the reason why Jesus asks this man to share is because his personal testimony can be more powerful than knowing the truth and not being reflected in our lives. We go to uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and it says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. How powerful. Their first reaction was, you need to leave. We don't want you here. They were begging him to leave. But when Jesus came back, the multitude welcomed him because they were all waiting one man one man and his testimony he was not a pastor he was not a disciple of jesus who had been following him and had been listening to his teachings he was not an evangelist he wasn't even a jew but this man's story this man's experience caused for the multitude to welcome jesus and to be waiting for him And that is what Jesus asks of us. We are not, we are not, I am blessed to be in, in full-time ministry and to be able to serve God and not have to worry about anything else. But God knows. God, God doesn't ask us to all be evangelists and missionaries and pastors. I'm not saying those are not important. But God is asking for each one of you to be a witness for him. Not of the amazing things that you know from the Bible, but from the experience with the word of God that you have personally. Because that was this man's experience. He wasn't sharing all the knowledge that he knew. He was sharing his personal experience with God. And I don't know about you guys, but I know the world is ready. Is ready for some hope and for a change. Just the other day, I was uh, in my, my dad has a prayer group. They do, they pray from Monday through Thursday together over the phone. And I was talking to them and this lady said, I want to pray for Michael. He's 12 years old and he's been going through some anxiety and some depression. And yesterday he shot himself um, in the head. Michael actually passed away a few days later. Uh, because it it just touched some of the most important veins and and it was he was hemorrhaging and they couldn't they couldn't save him but it made me think a 12 year old child worried anxious 
to the point of not wanting life. That is the world today. But we have a powerful message of hope and of peace and of joy that surpasses all understanding, no matter what is going on in the world. And I'm not saying this is the only way that we can share, but this is one of the most practical ways that I have seen to be able to share the gospel. Just a little glow tract, just a little paper that we can do at any moment during our day. And we can change someone's life for the better. It doesn't take a lot of time. But this is what God asks us, asks, asks us to do. And I just want to read from the Desire of Ages this quote of how important it is. It says, But as soon as Jesus pointed out his duty, he was ready to obey. Not only did he tell his own household and neighbors about Jesus, but he went throughout Decapolis everywhere, declaring his power to save and describing how he had freed him from the demons. In doing this work, they could receive a greater blessing than if merely for benefit to himself, he had remained in his presence. It is in working to spread the good news of salvation that we are brought near to the Savior. It isn't even just for other people that God asks us to share our experience. It is for ourselves. Because the more we can share about what God is doing in our lives, the more miracles we personally experience. And there was this man who... I, was, I, I like to do the method, one of my favorite methods, <laughs> one of my favorite ways to share uh, is to put the, the gas, the girl attract in the gas station. Because, you know, everybody goes to the gas station. And you're, if you're there, you're just, you're just standing there doing nothing. And so while you're doing nothing, you might as well go and put some glow tracks and some pumps like we see in the picture. And I, I was in a day, I was... I was I was done with my work for the day and I wanted to go home. I needed some, I had some personal stuff to do. So I went to put gas and I was just really in a hurry. I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anyone. So I was almost tempted not to even put any glow tracks. And then I was like, okay, I have some time because my tank is almost empty. So it's going to take a while. So I took some glow tracks and I was just going to the empty gas stations because I did not want to talk to anyone. This is like literally the thought in my mind. I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm in a hurry. I'm just going to put in the empty ones. And then it was like, like a checklist. It was almost like a checklist for me at that moment. And so I was going and I was just putting in all of them really quick so I couldn't catch anyone that was like coming around. And right next to me, in the pump next to mine, uh, a man pulls up. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not trying to have a conversation with anyone. So I go and I, I'm like getting ready to leave, and I feel this impression, Crystal, go, go, give it to him. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to have a conversation. I don't. I'm trying to go home. I have so many things to do, and I just felt like you need to go. And I was like, okay, fine. So I go and I, I just give it to, hey, you know, there's a little gift and I'm just like running away. And as I'm getting in my car, I can hear the man saying, wow, how did you know? And he was so loud. And I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, two days ago, it was actually the tract on, 
uh, diabetes, you know, how, how to reverse diabetes. And he's like, you know, actually, two days ago, I went to the doctor and the doctor said that if I don't start changing something in my life, that I'm, he's going to have to amputate my foot and I'm going to have to be on insulin. And I can't afford insulin. Insulin is so expensive. And I just, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And I was praying, you know, I don't know. I don't know what God you believe in, but I was trying to pray. I was like, you know, God, if you're up there, I've never really experienced God. I've never really, you know, been close to God, but I just, I was just asking God because it was my last resort. And then you gave me this and, and this is what I needed. And um, his name is actually Natividad. He was a Hispanic man. And I, I continued visiting him and, and giving him uh, some health books and, you know, being able to, to reverse his diabetes and change his lifestyle and, and cookbooks. And he actually got connected with the local church and started attending church, all because I was willing to take those two minutes to share with him. And a lot of times we don't even know. We don't even know what's, what the reaction is of some people. We don't even know what the outcome is of, of sharing that. Um, but God is definitely working. And I'd like you to listen to another testimony of the voicemails that we receive of someone who did, who got one of these little pamphlets, is what they call it, uh, and they were blessed by them. My name is Ken, and I just—I was calling this number because I came out to my car, and I was I'm going through a really rough time. And there were these two little pamphlets—not pamphlets, but little paper advertisements—and they were shoved under the handle of my door. And I just wondered, what is this? And I sat down in my car, frustrated, and saw what it was. I just wanted to call and say thank you. I'm Going through a really rough time in that story, especially about Brady, uh, made me feel pretty good. My father was murdered and we lost our business, and I've lost a lot of thoughts in that. And I just came up with a patent idea and I gave a lawyer I sent I had, and he tried to rip me off. I caught him in time, but it didn't help my financial situation. So now I'm losing my house that I've paid and paying on for nine years. But the good Lord is still up there watching over, and I was ready to give up until I saw your papers. I don't know who put them there, but this uh, help I needed. It was. I'm in Winchester, Virginia, so whoever it was in that area, please thank them. I needed a boost. You would want to call, but I just wanted to say thanks. I appreciate it very much. I was an altar boy when I was younger and uh, in Oakland, Maryland, and I've never given up faith, and I just really, again, appreciate it. Take care. I know that uh, COVID-19 has been a really big, has impacted our world in a way that we never thought before, and I think for a lot of us, it, it gives us fear 
to do the normal things that we have been doing. But even in the midst of this pandemic, and I, I think even more so, there are so many people experiencing more hopelessness, more depression, more anxiety, more need than ever before. And Jesus is still asking us, go and share with your friends the amazing things that God has done for you. So that is my appeal this morning. We don't have to share the doctrines or the prophecies. The only thing we can do is share our personal experience. So if you don't have a personal experience with God today, seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And if you do have a personal experience with Christ today, share that with someone. Give them the privilege of being able to, like this people, like the people in the town of Gadarenes. They were all waiting for him because Jesus is soon to return. And how beautiful it would be that not only you and I could be ready and prepared and waiting for Jesus, but that we can give others the opportunity and the privilege to have that same hope of salvation that you and I have today. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you so much for the tools that you give us to share the beautiful experience that we've had with you. Thank you because even in the midst of world chaos, you are still in control, you are still God, you are still powerful, and you are still changing lives. I ask, Lord, that every person who is listening today, tomorrow, a month from now, a week from now, that they will be compelled by your spirit to go and share your love with someone, with someone who is waiting for us to get up and go do what you have asked us to do so that when you come back, which I believe is soon, Lord, when you come back, we will all be waiting for you. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and for continuing to pursue us every day. Please help us to answer that call. In your name I pray, amen.